Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. Today we're going to talk about land preservation. Joining me in the studio is co-host Will Murphy, and we have one guest today. Christian Freitag is here. He's the executive director of the Sycamore Land Trust. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Christian, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. And Will, it's always good to have you sitting in for Mary Catherine. I'd like to do it. Thank you. And we like to have a professional in here every now and then. <laughs> Is that what Will counts as, I guess? Yeah, he does. Okay, good. That's good. Uh, Keep us in line. So, Christian, you've been here with us before. It's always interesting to talk about the Sycamore Land Trust because it's, it's one of those organizations that sort of started out of nothing and has grown like crazy. So could you yeah. sort of explain where you've come from? Well, sure. I, I'd be happy to. I we are a non-political conservation organization, a nonprofit located here in Bloomington. We work in South Central Indiana, 12 counties in South Central Indiana, to protect open space, to preserve and protect uh, some of our beautiful natural areas that we have in the southern half of the state. Um, we are business, a business-minded, non-political uh, solution. Uh, we kind of focus on, on solutions rather than uh, browbeating the problem over and over again. And uh, we take a we take the stance that we live in a beautiful place, and uh, we're going to do something about it. I, l- I like to say, like I said, we're we're non-political, but um, as you said, we sort of started out of nothing. And if if we had any political bent, it would be sort of populist. People get to stand up and decide what kind of place they want to live in, and and do something about it. So mm-hmm. we were founded in 1990 uh, as kind of an offshoot of the local chapter of the Audubon Society, the Sassafras Audubon Society. Uh, there was an individual here in town who wanted to donate some land to the Sassafras Audubon Society, and several of the members realized they weren't really set up to, to, to do that sort of thing. They're, they're bird watchers uh, and darn good ones, but they're not really set up to, to own land. And so several of them had heard of land conservancies, land trusts, and set about to make one. And it was sort of hatched around somebody's kitchen table. And 16 years later, we're the fastest-growing conservation group in the Midwest. So how are, how are you governed? I mean, how, do you have a board of directors? And We do. We have a board of directors and an advisory board. Um, it's business people. It's professors. It's students. It's retirees. It's librarians. It's museum docents. I mean, it is. it kind of runs the gamut. We, one of the things that is really appealing uh, – about working for the Sycamore Land Trust is that it's comprised of this entire cross-section of the communities in which we live. And to that extent, uh, you know, because we don't take stances on political things, sort of hot-button political things, we ask everybody to sort of check their baggage at the doors. To uh, It seems to me that – I think it seems to everybody involved with the organization that uh, protecting some open spaces in southern Indiana is a good thing to do. And that's not an issue that should be con- considered liberal or conservative, or green, or libertarian, or anything like that. It's just an idea that uh, I think everybody around South South Central Indiana can really get behind. And so everybody uh, can come under one umbrella and focus on the solution. Mm -hmm. It seems like uh, when you talk about the political uh, issues involved, when you're talking about land issues sometimes, it it gets uh, down to uh, you know, somebody who might want to tell somebody else what to do with their land. You know, in, in your case, you're going to have the land. It'll be your land. Yeah. Well, not always. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get into some of that. But um, we do own land outright. Uh, I do think, you know, Bloomington kind of uh, fancies itself a pretty liberal bastion sometimes. But we, we live in, in southern Indiana, and nobody would fancy southern Indiana a liberal bastion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the reasons that it just wouldn't make any sense for us to play politics. We don't, we right. don't do any of that. Um, so what, what we, we don't always own the land outright. The people in southern Indiana don't take kindly to people telling them what to do with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in Wyoming for a spell and people there really don't take kindly <laughs> to, to people telling them what to do with their stuff. But the same holds in southern Indiana, I find. And uh, so the Sycamore Land Trust does own land. We work with willing sellers and willing donors and uh, – 
you know, we had on our on our board of directors for for a spell was the president of the Chamber of Commerce, Steve Howard, and he was always wont to say, "We preserve land the old-fashioned way; we own it." Mm-hmm. And that's 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 a nice way to think about it. It's it's an overstatement to some extent. I would I would admit because we don't own all of the land that we've helped protect. We we accept donations of land, and in that case, we do own it, and we occasionally are able to buy land. Uh, not as often as we'd like, but occasionally we're able to buy land. And in that case, we do own it. But we also do what's called conservation easements. We hold conservation easements for private landowners. Conservation easements is kind of highfalutin lawyer talk for a contract. It's a contract uh, whereby one individual, the current landowner, is able to put a deed restriction on property on their property that runs with the land. They keep the title to the land, but that deed restriction runs with the land. Um, they can sell it to their neighbors. Neighbors get it with restrictions. They can pass it on to their kids. Kids get it with restrictions. Those restrictions apply to that land forever. The Sycamore Land Trust's role is to hold those restrictions. And we visit the property a few times a year to make sure that whatever terms we decided upon in that contract are being upheld. So mm-hmm. um, in that case, we don't own the land outright. Uh, we own the conservation easement on it. That's a good strategy for landowners who maybe have a family legacy in the land and don't want to give it away. Um, it's a good deal for the land trust too because it, it allows us pr- to protect land uh, without having to spend the resources basically that it costs. To, I mean owning land is an expensive thing so uh, and buying land is an even more expensive thing. So um, conservation easements are a good strategy for landowners to keep land in their family in the land trust to see land protected without having to uh, outlay all the resources. We're talking about the Sycamore Land Trust today with Christian Freitag, the executive director. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Now, you say that that, uh, Sycamore Land Trust is not uh, political, but it is in a sense environmental, and uh, environmental is a... uh, Environmentalism was a top issue with with voters in uh, the last couple of uh, elections. Could you speak to that a little bit? Would you disagree with that assessment of uh, Sycamore as an <clears throat> environmental organization? No, I in, in fact I I don't disagree with that at all. Somehow, uh, I would disagree with the second part of your comment, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. I mean, I don't disagree that the Sycamore Land Trust is an environmental group at all. Somehow, and in, you know, I don't know when it happened, and I don't, I certainly don't know how it happened. Being an environmentalist became a pejorative thing in America and I don't know how that happened or why that happened because the most conservative guy in the world wants clean air and clean water for his kids. Uh, He values having parks to go to. He likes not having everything be paved over in concrete. You know, development's going to happen. The Sycamore Land Trust is not an anti-development group. I mean, we need development. I live in a house. I, you know. I don't want to live in a glass house as as the expression goes. You know, I live in a house and, and you know, that's the American dream. We need we need to build houses. We need development. But um, like I said, the most conservative person in the world, I think that's the way it gets laid out. And I think that's a false dichotomy where somehow the conservatives of the world are supposed to be anti-environment and the, and the liberals of the world are supposed to be pro-environment. I think that's that's insane. I mean, if, if that's what it's come to, then we're doomed. Uh, and the Sycamore Land Trust says, I don't think we've come to that point yet. And let's, you know, put our politics aside and focus on this one thing. You know, every study in the world you're ever going to read says, in fact, that um, you know sometimes the other, in addition to it being laid out sometimes conservative versus liberal, it's sometimes laid out as um, growth versus anti-growth, sort of economic growth versus environment, and that's also a false dichotomy. Any study you're going to read in the world says that protecting open spaces is good for the economy. Um, you know, a few years ago, I know that the Convention and Visitors Bureau every year puts out. Uh, stats on how much money is brought to Bloomington, the, the Monroe County area through tourism. And it's in the many, many millions of dollars. And I'm not saying all of that is because of the environment, but you know a certain amount of it is. And it's because we live in a beautiful place that people want to come visit in the fall, especially. So, um, you know, you can't beat our redbuds and, and dogwoods in the springtime. You heard me on the radio blabbering about that too many times probably. But, uh, you know, I think, those are, I think those are false dichotomies. And so the Sycamore Land Trust is an environmental group. And I wear the environmentalist in my body with a capital E. You know, I think that's, a, I think that's, a very, that's something that people should be proud of regardless of their politics. So remind me what the second half of that that I disagreed not, was. I don't know what you disagreed with. <laughs> well, there, there was there was part of that that I disagreed with. But I, you, you said something about how the last couple of elections had been. Oh yeah, about I do disagree with that. You know, somehow the environment has been stuck 
at number seven or eight on people's decision making, uh, people's decision making matrices. I don't know what the their list of things that are really important. And this is these are my issues that I'm going to vote on. The environment has trouble has had trouble in the past few elections. Well, in in every election period, breaking into the top tier of things, the one, two, three kind of these are the issues that I'm really going to be voting on. It's I think it's important to people, but. Um, Sometimes it takes a back seat to more immediate things. I certainly don't want to fault people thinking about things like wars, of course, and their decision-making tools. But the environment's a pretty important, a pretty important decision-making facet, and, and I think it, for some reason it's had trouble breaking into the top tier of things. So um, okay. uh, hopefully, you're, hopefully you'll you'll uh, you'll be proven true sometime in the future. <laughs> well, let's go back to uh, to 1990. You got your first uh, donation of land. How much land was it? I think that's that property is at the end of Heritage Woods Road, and we call that the donut property. There's a house that six, sits in the middle, and that is about 38 acres. 38 acres? I think so. And so um, how much have you grown over the years? How much has that 38 acres turned into? Well, at the end of 2006, we had preserved just shy of 4,000 acres. Wow, 4,000. So 4,000 acres. That's, that's huge, huge growth. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing to be part of. Yeah. I was hired, and I don't say this to pat myself on the back. Believe me, too many people have worked too hard to make this organization a success for me to do that. I was hired in 2000. The organization was all volunteer for 10 years, and they had protected through volunteer efforts about 500 acres. And then they decided, I th- they decided we could be something bigger. We could be something um, more muscular as an organization. They set about for two years. They did a fundraising campaign to hire the first, uh, the first staff person. I had come back. I'm a lawyer by trade. I came here for law school in 94. I graduated in 97, passed the bar exam, worked at the Indiana Supreme Court for a few years, came back to get my Ph.D. like so many of us which I'm still doing, uh, dissertating as we speak. But I was hired in 2000 as the first staff employee, part-time. I was at the School of Public Environmental Affairs, and several of the board members were in SPIA. And I was hired part-time, and we had protected, like I said, about 500 acres at that point. That was a really important step for the land trust. I mean, that's an important step for any nonprofit. Once you start paying somebody, whether it's me or anybody else, paying somebody to think of to wake up and think about how to push the ball forward, I mean, that's a colossal step. There's a limit to what you can do with volunteer labor. Uh, I think the limit's pretty high. Volunteers are pretty amazing folks when they set their mind to things. But when you're paying somebody to think about how to push the mission forward, that's a big step. And in the past, in the past six years, since 2000, we've gone from 500 acres to 4,000 acres. And that growth has just been fantastic. We've gone from one part-time staff person to having four staff people. We, you know... We have an office space now. We're going to have a permanent office space. We'll probably talk about that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, the, the growth has been fantastic. And I still think, you know, some people might say, well, it's, you've just gotten to the low-hanging fruit. Um, I think we've just scratched the surface of what we can be. Mm-hmm. I think that the more people learn about us, we're about to experience, as a nation, we're about to experience the largest tran- transfer of wealth and property in the nation's history. Um, in the next 20 years, you're going you're to see mo- most of the property in America passing and changing hands. And as that happens, I think, you know, the land trust is well positioned. Some people want to see the highest income from their property, but not everybody. And for those people that do, more power to them. We're not out there, like Will was talking about, telling people what to do with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people out there who knew that grandma and grandpa didn't want to see that land developed. There are a lot of people out there who value taking walks in the woods and going bird watching with their kids. There are a lot of people who don't want to see their land developed, and they should have options too. So the Sycamore Land Trust is sort of here to give them give them the power. Those people who make a lot of money on their land could just donate some of the money to the Sycamore Land Trust so you could buy <laughs> well, more land. <laughs> well, I don't know that I want to encourage anybody to take that calculus, but you know, if they're going to do it, that's not a bad option. Yeah. Well, all righty. We've got an email here. Uh, This person writes in, My family owns farmland in east-central Indiana. Recently, I received a letter and brochure from a timber harvesting company that's interested in the woods on that land. Being ignorant in this area but wary, I asked the advice of my daughter, who's director for the mid-Atlantic region of the Appalachian Trail Consortium and who has lots of experience with such things. 
She said that she wouldn't trust timber companies any further than she could throw them. <laughs> and she suggested that I contact the Sycamore Land Trust to see what you have to suggest. She talked about alternative ways to handle timber harvesting, but she got too technical for me. So what do you suggest? I might add that I haven't seen the land in years, and I don't know what shape the woods is in, except that my cousin recently said that some big trees are down, and his son would like to cut them for firewood. Well, it's nice to have a warm stove, so firewood's not such a bad thing. Um, There are options for people in that situation. Um, The Sycamore Land Trust could help her do, theoretically, well, I mean, one option, the easiest option, it may not be the one that uh, she has in mind, but she could donate the land to the Sycamore Land Trust. That would be one option. There's tax considerations for making these donations. The market value of the land would be a charitable donation to um, a nonprofit and deductible on your income tax. Um, But beyond that, you could do, like I said, I was talking about conservation easements. Conservation easements are just contracts. One landowner can put a conservation easement on her property that has these restrictions on it. And like I said, those restrictions attach to the land permanently. Uh, I won't get into the rule against perpetuities, but uh, (laughs) typically in American law, when you own it, you can do, you know, in American property law, when you own a piece of property, you can do what you want with it. If if I buy it from you, I'm not bound by what you did, but then I can do what I want with it. Conservation easements are a way that you can bind me, the subsequent landowner, and every subsequent landowner thereafter. Um, and, but, and the, but they're also really flexible. One, one conservation easement could say, I want no subdividing, no timbering, no hunting. You know, and, and you could, those are called for, more or less those are called forever wild easements. They're, don't touch the land, leave it alone. Other people need to see some income off their property, need to or want to. I'm not going to get into value judgments. Need to or want to see income off their property, and that might include some timber harvesting. Or maybe they grew up hunting that ground and they want to continue to hunt it. They could write a contract that says, well, I want to do no subdividing. That's the most important one from our standpoint. But beyond that, you could say, okay, I don't want to see the place clear cut, but I, I do want to see – I do want to be able to cut some timber just in case I fall and break my hip. You know, in case something catastrophic happens to me, I need to see some income off of that. You could write a contract that would say I'm allowed to do some limited timber harvesting. We would just want to make sure that it was done in a sustainable way. And we work with we work with really intelligent – thankfully, by being so close to the university, we have no shortage of smart guys to help us figure out, you know, what does sustainable timber harvesting mean and how to, how to see that implemented on the ground. So, you know, you could – I, I, I guess I disagree with the assessment that every timber company is bad. Um, they may be motivated by a different set of values than the, than the Sycamore Land Trust is. But uh, you know, this, if, if somebody wanted to protect their property but still see some income off of it, which sort of sounded like her description of her, of her situation, she could do a conservation easement that allowed some sustainable timber harvesting. I want to point out that this person put in parentheses that I didn't need to mention that reference to timber companies on the air, but it was after I'd said it. So, uh, <laughs> And I should also mention that I'll, if it's okay with uh, – with uh, you, I'll pass on this email to you, and you Please. can uh, have a chat with this person. That would be great. Right. That would be great. Thanks. Some, I will mention, um, I have had folks tell me that they don't think it's right uh, with regard to conservation easements, in reference to conservation easements, that they don't think it's right for one landowner to make a, be able to make a decision that locks up land forever, that keeps people, you know, you just don't know. Situations change. Who knows what we're going to, you know, who knows global warming is going to change our land use. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the future is the gist of that. And they don't think it's right for one person to be able to make a decision that affects land forever. But flip that on. I mean, that that's that's assuming something, I think. Flip that on its head. If somebody gets land and, and doesn't have a conservation easement on it, they could cut it all down. They could pave it. I mean, they could do what they want with it. And aren't those decisions that affect land forever? Of course they are. So to some extent, almost every decision has some permanent consequences to it. And if, the, if those values are allowed to be made in favor of development, they should be, made, be able to be made in favor of preservation. Mm-hmm. All right. 855-0811 is the Bloomington number, 877-285-9348. It's the number outside of the local calling area. And noon at indiana.edu is our, our uh, email address. Uh, we're talking with Christian Freitag today, and as I gave that uh, 877 number, I should uh, remind people also that the Sycamore Land Trust serves 12 counties in southern Indiana, so this is not just a Bloomington-specific or Monroe County-specific program. No, that's right. We work all across southern, uh, south-central Indiana. There may come a day. It would be absolutely um, wonderful if we could get all the way down to the Ohio River someday. Mm-hmm. Right now, there are... Um, I bet you 10 years ago, I don't know the exact number, but about, say, 10 years ago, there was maybe six or seven land trusts in Indiana. 
Sycamore Land Trust being one of them. Right now, there's probably 20-something land trusts in Indiana. Some of them are very small. They cover one particular watershed or one particular county. Um, there's one, for example, that covers just the strip of land next to Lake Michigan. Um, so some of them are very, very localized. Um, but some of them are larger, like the Sigmar Land Trust. We covered 12 counties. Uh, there is no land trust currently covering southwestern Indiana. And I think that's a cry and shame, to be honest with you. That's a, ecologically speaking, that's one of the more important areas in the state. It's an area where the Ohio meets the Wabash, and there are species there that exist nowhere else in the state. So it would be, you know, there's no sort of strategic plan right in place right now. But I could, if this growth continues that we've experienced in the past few years, I could certainly see in the next few years Sycamore Land Trust making a decision that it's time for us to go from uh, 12 counties to whatever number that would be, 24 counties. How did you pick the, that 12? No, it was it was done before I came around. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, South Central Indiana is an area that, uh, to some extent, it's driven by logistics. I mean, when you when there was when it was a volunteer organization, like I said, there's a limit to what volunteers can be expected to do. And if you you know, we cover as far south as Davies County, and to get to Davies County from here is a good hour and a half drive, and to get to some of these rural pieces of property is certainly a lot further than an hour and a half drive. I don't think the board, and I, I still think this is the case to some extent, the board didn't feel like they could responsibly care for land that was too far afield. So to, uh, to some extent, South Central Indiana is sort of a, a binding uh, geographic region. All right. We have a phone call, so let's go to Jamie. Jamie? No, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hi. How are you? Uh, hi. Good. Go right ahead. Um, yeah, I'm in the North Environmental Club, the Bloomington High School North Environmental Club and Recycling Club. Uh-huh. And um, we're actually developing pretty good this year. Um, our sponsor is Scott Stevenson. He's um, the environmental um, science teacher and biology teacher at North. Yep. And um, we're lucky to be uh, pretty involved with the Sycamore Land Trust and uh, Bean Blossom Bottoms and things like that. Um, so um, we're, we're really excited with 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 all that, and um, the environmental club is planning to do a hugathon, which is a tree hugging marathon. It's kind of a joke, but um, <laughs> it's like dance marathon. We're, kind of. we're we're excited about that because we're going to be accepting pledges, uh, corporate and personal, um, to be uh, in basically sitting in hugging trees for. Um, we're going to try to do overnight, but also more public ones in downtown Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to um, – it, it's all in the working still. We're, we're not um, – we don't have all the glitches worked out. But we're going to try to donate um, part of the proceeds to the Sycamore Land Trust because we're Great. so thankful for um, everything that you guys have offered through um, being able to take field trips to the Bean Blossom Bottoms and learning about the wetlands there and a bunch of other things. So – so I was just going to let you know about that. That's you... wonderful. Thank you very much. That's that's a great idea. That's a that's a that sounds like a neat project. I would offer the advice of if you're going to if you have a choice of trees to hug, I would go with beech trees and maybe beech not trees. shag bark hickories. Just as a, <laughs> oh yeah, as a matter of logistics. Uh, yeah, the, Scott Stevenson's been fantastic. Uh, last year yeah, we really. we. Uh, as Jamie's aware, we put together, uh, thanks to a private donor, uh, environmental education program. You know, some people said, well, what are you doing? You're a land preservation group. Why would you get involved with environmental education? Well, I think there was an, there was an acknowledgement. I think that's an important step for the board to realize we, can, we are never going to be able to save every piece of ground that we would like to save. It's just not possible. We don't have the resources to do it. Um, and so how do you affect that? Well, you try to reach out to the next generation of conservationists. You can sort of magnify your effectiveness by reaching out to young people. So thanks to a private donation, we established an environmental education program with the idea being that, well, a man named Richard Louvre recently wrote a book titled Last Child in the Woods, Combating Nature Deficit Disorder, which is kind of an interesting concept. Um, but, we, you know, you get the idea. You've, you've heard time and time again about how kids are uh, spend too much time in front of the TV. They're OCD too often. I mean, it's just we hear this. This is ad infinitum that we hear this. Well, the Sycamore Land Trust decided we're going to do our part to make sure that kids. When I was a when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in Valparaiso, in northern Indiana. When I was a kid, we always were outside. My mother had to scream at us just to get us to come back inside. The schools were always doing field trips to Fort Wiatnon or Camp Tecumseh or places like that. Uh, I think that. We learned a few years ago when we tried to do some environmental education work that the money is just not there in schools to do field trips. And that's 
to me, that's 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 abhorrent to, to think yeah, that really kids is. can't get outside and do that. So we decided we're going to do our part. Let's. Uh, so we worked with Scott Stevenson, who was a longtime land trust supporter, uh, Gene Schick, who's the environmental, uh, who's the science education coordinator in Monroe County Schools, and we put together an environmental education program. It's being administered by Carol Ritter, who's a retired science teacher from Paoli High, lives in Lawrence County. He's also on the Science Education Foundation of Indiana. He's our environmental education coordinator. And with Carol and Scott and some other folks, we either bring, if, if schools can't do field trips, fine. We're bringing nature to them. We're going to bring resource people, experts on bats, expert Indiana bats, experts on uh, native forest habitat, and bring that into the schools. And to the extent that we can, to the extent that we can get the funding, we're going to pay for those field trips and get kids outside. And like I said, do our part to make sure that uh, this nature deficit disorder doesn't happen on our watch. One of the big projects... There's a couple of other really great resources that North and Monroe County has. Is the, um, one of one of them is the Nature Center, mm-hmm. um, which is on North North property. Um, and but um, there's an invasive species, the um, Asian bush honeysuckle, which is oh, yeah. invading it, and it's killing off all the native species that, that are making it what it is. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what part of what the environmental club is trying to do right now is uh, is preserve that. And um, also, Cougars for Better Education, um, they've, they've um, helped to provide some um, financial aid for other environmental field trips that we can do alongside with, um, the, with all that. So. Oh, that's great. It's nice that you have those resources made available to you. I mean, there are schools. Um, we have, there are a number of, of schools in Bloomington that are, uh, that are great uh, in terms of the resources available to students. In our coverage area, we, we're not only dealing with the relatively affluent Bloomington, but we're dealing with rural areas in Lawrence County. And one of the one of the neatest projects I think that we've done through our environmental education program is working with Needmore Elementary School in Lawrence County, the fourth grade class. We got the local soil and water conservation district to help us, and we established a quarter acre native prairie on school grounds. And those the kids were in, in, involved in figuring out which seeds would do well in this soil type. They did some soil testing. They did some seed testing. And the kids themselves planted a quarter-acre native prairie on school grounds. So, like I said, this, this program has been, has been really rewarding, and it's something that uh, we hope to continue. One of the things that we've tried to do is, uh, is do a business supporter program, which we may talk about later. But that's one of the ways that um, – that's one of the, I think, programs that businesses are able to support the Sycamore Land Trust by – by giving some money to help support the environmental education work. We'll get to uh, that a little bit more after the break. Jamie, we really appreciate your call, uh, and we hope that uh, Steve, our our next caller, will hang on until after the break, but we're going to have to to get a short break in, and then uh, we'll be back. We're talking with Christian Freitag from the Sycamore Land Trust. You're listening to Noon Edition. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. We invite you to visit WFIU's website at wfiu.indiana.edu, where you'll find on-demand audio of selected local and national news stories, enhanced news coverage from NPR, the BBC, Reuters, and you can get today's top stories from around the world, nation, state, and community. Check the weather, sports scores, financial headlines, and opinions. All that at our website, wfiu.indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg with Will Murphy. And we're talking today with Christian Freitag from the Sycamore Land Trust. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And we have a lot of people that want to get involved in this conversation, and we do want to get back to that business program. Sure. But uh, let's talk with Steve, who's been waiting very patiently. Steve? Hello. Hi, Steve. Hi. 
So let's say that I wanted help uh, preserving uh, some land so I could let loose some feral chickens. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I get this one. Ooh. Steve, what are you wearing now? Is it a chicken suit? <laughs> Tall Steve. I worked on a penguin suit, but uh, we'll take care of that later. This is Steve Bowen from yeah. City Council. I just wanted to say uh, that there was a reason I pulled that stunt in council in October, and it was uh, because somebody challenged me to do it for charity, and the first one I thought of was the Sycamore Land Trust. I really support the work you guys do and proud to have been uh, uh, complicit in that little stunt. Good yeah. man. Thank you very much. All right, Steve. Thanks for hanging on the phone. You're welcome. No problem. Appreciate it. Bye. If those of you who don't know, Steve Olin came to the uh, council dressed in a chicken suit. We put him on the front page of the newspaper, and but he did it all for a good cause. Yep. And he had uh, a friend of his offered $500 to the charity of his choice if he came to the city council debate on the chicken ordinance, uh, the urban chicken ordinance, dressed as a chicken. And <laughs> I wonder if we could get him to dress up as a feral cat. That's the last discussion they had. And maybe That's we can make another cat. donation. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big cat. All right. Well, how about some email? All right, we've got a lot of them here, and I'll lump two of them together because they're related. This person, uh, actually, this first one is not related to the other two. Let's address that first. It's my understanding that the environmental dump on Vernal Pike on the west side of the county was donated to the trust. Is that true? And if so, what will be done with it? Will it be cleaned up? Well, that's a good question. It's uh, I, we're not positive that that's true. It's it's my cursory understanding that that's true. We haven't received official notice that we're going to be receiving. I think, I think that's referring to the old Neal's landfill. And I think that we are going to get that. Uh, I think the board's going to have to think long and hard about what they want to do with it, whether or not they want to accept that gift or disclaim it. Um, to some extent, it's a bit daunting for somebody to offer you a free Superfund site. It's like a free Tyrannosaurus Rex, it seems like. On the other hand, I know that David Porter, who was the previous owner and who, if that does come to us, he would be the donor, um, I know that he had a vision that land could heal itself, that, that with the right amount of time and the right care, that, that, um, that land could heal. And he wanted the Sycamore Land Trust to be part of that vision. And to me, that's a pretty, that's a pretty beautiful vision. So I don't know for, for certain – first, I don't know for certain that we're going to get it. But if we do get it, I think that that will be an interesting, um, an interesting question. Um, I think that that's a beautiful vision, and if we could be part of that, that'd be something I'd be proud of. But um, it's a bit premature to how talk you, about it. How do you address the question of, of uh, liability, though, when you're talking about PCB uh, contamination? Mm-hmm. Well, liability has been assumed by <laughs> – I know more about this than I care to admit. But liability has been assumed by Westinghouse and Viacom. As a, if we were to – I've done some research on this already, believe me. Because, you know, that's the first thing that jumps in anybody's head. You know, do you want to assume that liability? There is no – as we would be considered an innocent landowner under the Superfund law and um, we would not have any any extra liability other than – no more liability than owning any other piece of property, to be honest with you. I mean the same sort of liability that any landowner would have owning any piece of property. So long as we didn't go out there, tear down the fence and what they call interfere with the remedies. They've, there's a fence surrounding the cap on the top of the landfill and there's a – you know, there's – been some remediation done. So long as we didn't interfere with the re- remediation that's been done, we wouldn't have any extraordinary liability on that property. Is there any precedent uh, in the country for this kind of thing? That kind of approach to a PCB or other Superfund site? No, I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. Bloomington, of course, has a a very shameful history with, with too many Superfund sites in too small an area. Um, we think our, our little slice of heaven is pretty idyllic, but we have more Superfund sites than you can count on one hand. And... Um, I don't know that, like I said, I don't know what the experience of other, um, I don't know of any other land trust being involved in Superfund sites. And I don't know for certain what the land trust's will, involvement will be on that, on that project. But like I said, I do think that Mr. Porter had a, had a vision and I think it was a beautiful vision and it would be, it'd be something that I would be proud to be part of. But of course, um, there's a lot going on there. All right. More emails? More emails. Okay. Sure. Let's handle both of these together. Uh, do you think the environment has been downplayed by conservatives as an issue precisely because it's not a pejorative, but rather an issue that's attractive and important to swing and independent voters? That's part one. Okay. And then um, this says, have you reviewed uh, – let's see. No. Why doesn't SLT support environmental groups including Audubon Society in protecting this forest from the new U.S. Forest Service plan? How can you say this is a political issue? Well, those are uh, 
both interesting questions. Those are pretty hard questions, I have to admit. These aren't softballs. But in, in terms of it be, the environment being a swing issue played out by conservatives, you know, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. I don't, I'm sure this sounds like a cop-out, but I'm not going to get into editorializing on what the conservative strategy is on the environment. I don't have any idea what the conservative strategy is on the environment. What I do know is that the Sycamore Land Trust, if we start um, – if the director of the Sycamore Land Trust gets on the radio and starts pointing fingers, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, that's totally breaking down what we've worked for 16 years to accomplish, which is set our, like I said, check our baggage at the door and focus on the solution, not go after the problem again and again and again. It's your fault, it's your fault. No, 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 no. We, If we do it right, we can do it together and achieve something better. And so, you know, I don't have any... I don't have any editorial on whether or not it's a swing issue, and I'm sure that sounds like a cop-out. I'm okay with that. Um, in terms of um, when I, I think it's right to say that it's not necessarily a political issue, the, the, the logging plan. I, was that the – well, if you could remind me. Was, was she referring to the state plan to quadruple said, the logging on state forests or the Hoosier National Forest logging plan? It doesn't specifically reference. It says, uh, why don't you support environmental groups, including the Audubon Society, mm-hmm. in protecting this forest from the new U.S. Forest Service plan? Okay. So they're talking about the new Hoosier plan. Uh, well, that's a decent question. The short answer is that's not what the Sycamore Land Trust does. We don't do logging issues. Thankfully, there's no shortage of groups. I would say there's no shortage of groups doing that issue. There's plenty of work to go around. In, under the umbrella of environment, there's plenty of work to go around. And if somebody wants to take that as their primary focus and that's where they want to put their, their energy, I'd be, happy to give them, I'd be happy to give them Andy Mahler's phone number. I think Andy is an incredible advocate for, for logging issues on the Hoosier and has been for the past 20 years or more. I mean, he's absolutely one of the most charismatic um, caring individuals you're going to find in this area. But that's not what the Sycamore Land Trust does. Uh, There are groups that do that, and I'll be happy to refer folks to that. But we're going to stay focused on the one mission that we do have, and that's protecting open space in south-central Indiana. All right. The phone numbers are 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Christian, you were talking about uh, how it's it's expensive to own land. Mm-hmm. Um, what what all do you do with uh, the land? You know, the four thousand acres that you have. I'm sure mm-hmm. that you have different strategies on different sure. parcels of land. Sure. Well, we do. Uh, if I could make one last comment, I, I I feel like I didn't I didn't address that last question adequately. One of the the reason that we stay so focused. And I will get to your question, Bob, I promise. The reason we want to stay so focused is because if we don't, then that's going to result in less land preserved, period. That's a fact. If we start um, going – if we start getting into mission creep, then that's going to mean less land protected. And so there are groups that will focus on those those forestry issues. Thank goodness for them. Sycamore Land Trust is going to focus on – protecting open space because that – and by staying focused on that one thing, we're not turning off would-be supporters and that's going to mean more land saved in the long run. So that's one of the reasons – that's the main reason why it's so important for us to stay focused on that and it's all about the land. Um, in terms of – to answer your question, what do we do with the land that we own? Well, we develop a management plan for them and we implement the management plan. We, uh, we Like I said, we have no shortage of smart guy scientists. Um, Smart folks at SPIA, Vicki Moretsky is a professor over there of uh, field ecology. And uh, just that's just one of the – Dan Willard, our former president, was one of the country's foremost experts on wetlands, on wetland ecology. So we have smart folks that we work with to figure out what does this land need, what, what does it want to be, what does it need, and how can we help get it there. With regard to trees, in the last nine years, the Sycamore Land Trust has planted 53,000 – over 53,000 trees. Um, We've done that not just on one property, although our sort of flagship property, the Bean Blossom Bottoms, is probably uh, – I'd say that property is almost 700 acres that we own outright. It didn't come in, well, in, in one chunk, of course. It's 100 acres here, 20 acres here. It's happened over the last 16 years that we've gotten this 700 acres protected. And we've planted, I think, oh, if I had to guess, 35,000 trees at that site alone. Um, so we do a lot of restoration projects on the properties that we own. Some of that – it's not only about 
reforesting things. That's not the only kind of restoration that we do. Some land wants to remain in open grassland, and that means that we either have to mow it. I mean, more often, we have, either have to mow it or we, or we have to burn it. And it's a lot easier to mow something than to burn something it's just for, just for uh, like I said, logistical reasons earlier. But So we kind of we figure out what does the land want to be by consulting with smart folks, and then we, we work to get it there. Let me ask you a real basic question. Okay. Who planted those 53,000 trees? Well, volunteers mostly. Uh-huh. Uh, we did have to uh, – we did pay uh, to do some mechanical planting mm-hmm. on one of the larger plantings that we did, which was I think 20,000 trees in one, in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have to pay to do some mechanical planting. But uh, most of those trees have been planted with volunteer labor. Uh, the amount of people that are willing to come out and spend time digging in the dirt is – it's pretty amazing. Uh, one of the huge projects that we have going these days is a two-mile interpretive trail and boardwalk at the Bean Blossom Bottoms Nature Preserve that we own that I was just talking about. And that, you know, you wouldn't think that, – that land is in the floodplain of Bean Blossom Creek and it floods regularly a couple times a year. So you can't just have a regular trail. Uh, it has to be built up. Uh, some of it has to be built up six inches. Some of it will have to be – we haven't gotten to the portion – that will have to be built up four feet. But some of that ground is, is wet enough that it's really going to require some boardwalks, the type of which you'd see in Brown County State Park. And so, you know, so far we've been able I, – I can't say enough nice things about uh, the Eagle Scouts. They've been just absolutely incredible um, in terms of providing volunteer labor. But also the students at North and Scott Stevenson have, has helped out with that. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of volunteers going out and the primary person who's been bird dogging that project is our current president who's John Gallman. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be the director of IU Press here in town but has he's been working his tail off to to get that trail going and we have about a I'd say about 3 quarters of a mile of it built now and uh it's a pretty neat spot and if anybody wants information on it they should um either check the website uh, sycamorelandtrust.org or just call us at the office, 336-5382. Okay, I have a phone call to go to, and okay. it's Bill. Bill? Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, traveling to Bedford, and uh, I might lose you. Oh. Uh, I just want to make a comment in reference to the, the person who was sending the, the email earlier about the logging companies and what options were. Uh-huh, go ahead. Um, she does have options. Unfortunately, I don't, remember, I don't recall the detail. Um, there's nothing wrong with uh, having uh, logs harvested uh, as long as it's done in a responsible way. Uh, in my area, responsible in Othomie County, uh, logging companies have gone in, and after they left, it looked like uh, a 1950 coal company has been through there or worse. Uh, the woods of Bastogne after the Battle of the Bulge. But I'm not sure who it is, but I think the DNR or some folks like that can come in and mark the trees that would be harvested, and that takes the responsibility away from the logging company, of course, who's responsible. Their priorities are just to make money. But there are organizations, and like I said, I think there are folks in the DNR who are trained to do that that go in and mark the trees that will come down. That's true. The district forester, um, their job, there's several, there's, uh, I don't know how many, dozens of, a few dozen district foresters around the state who can help folks uh, develop timber management plans for their property. And, you know, some of those folks have income as their primary motivation. Some of them have, you know, the best forested wildlife habitat possible as their primary motivation. And depending on what their motivation is, the district forester can can come in and help you develop a timber management plan that has uh, that meets your needs. Yes. Thank you. I just think that's what that uh, email was uh, trying to get to. Okay. Great. All right, Bill. Thanks a lot for the call. We've only got about uh, eight minutes to go, but our phone numbers again, 855-0811, and noon at indiana.edu. We've got an email here from somebody who asks, have you reviewed the overall environmental impact of using Indiana land to raise fast-growth poplars or switchgrass for ethanol and wood chip fuel production? Would you accept property or related easements for land used that way? Uh, the answer to the first question is no. I'm not an expert on that issue. Um, I do think we would consider something like that. Um, you know, prov- the devil's always in the details on projects like that. Some there are some environmental groups in the world who sort of take an anti-people stance, and it's sort of it's like an anti-Midas touch. It's like a negative Midas touch. If, if human beings touch ground, 
they're just going to wreck it. The Sycamore Land Trust does not take that stance. We want people to, you know, we want to get to the place where the people and the environment can can live in perfect harmony. You know, I know that sounds probably kind of silly, but uh, the Sycamore Land Trust wants to work with landowners who own land and want to see it used in a sustainable way. And if we could determine that somebody wanted to raise a certain type of crop that would be used in a sustainable way, that would, you know, might be good for the environment. Like I said, I'm not an expert on that issue at all. But, you know, if we could determine that that was um, a sustainable use of that property, I do think that we would be interested in uh, trying to help them achieve that objective. The enemy, you know, I had a farmer tell me once, we don't just work on on nature preserve quality stuff. We are also able to work with family farmers. We did a family farm conservation easement in Bartholomew County that was one of the the neatest projects I think we've done in the past 16 years. It was a 120-acre family farm um, owned by Gary Chambers and his family, and it had been in the same family in production since the original land grant in 1822. He had the the land grant from President James Monroe Mm -hmm. in 1822, and we were able to make sure he wanted to see that land kept in his family and available for farming for future generations. wouldn't have to be farmed, but it would be available for farming for future generations. And we were able to do a conservation easement that, that um, allowed that to keep, just basically to keep that from being paved over. Uh, that has, you know, what we do is not only about nature, but it's about heritage, you know, and, and nature is part of our heritage. Those things, people and nature are tied together. And the Sycamore Land Trust, uh, sort of a, a roundabout way of answering your question, but, you know, if we could keep somebody connected to their land and we could determine that they were using their land in a way that was was good for it and good for the environment, we'd be all for that because, you know, we want people to be connected to the the ground, uh, connected to the dirt. So that sounds like a good thing. Christian, you were starting to talk uh, earlier about a business project Mm -hmm. that you – or business, I guess, project initiative that you started in 2006. What's that all about? Well, we had – it occurred to us that we were doing a good job reaching out to individuals, and individuals wanted to support the Sycamore Land Trust work. But th- I, mean, I think we're fortunate to live in a place where there's a fairly responsible business, business ethic. I mean, the Monroe County area alone has over 400 nonprofits. I mean, it's astounding. The Monroe, Monroe County alone has over 400 nonprofits. And so there's a lot of piglets who, who are wanting – Wanting to be sustained, let's say. Uh, thankfully, uh, businesses are getting hit up all the time. But thankfully, we live in a place where businesses really do support the nonprofit community. And we wanted to make sure that um, because land preservation is an issue that's important to people where we live, we wanted to make sure that we provided businesses an opportunity to support the Sycamore Land Trust work if they, could, if they wanted to. So we put together a business supporter program where folks can volunteer uh, they, they can do volunteer hours with their staff if they want to come help build the trail. Uh, they can do things like that. They can donate money, of course. I mean, that's an easy one. Um, they can do in-kind donations. Sometimes we need, uh, we need materials to build trails or we, uh, we need in-kind donations. So folks can contribute, businesses can contribute in different ways. But we've had a really nice, a nice level of support over the past year or so. And uh, we had 22 businesses join our charter business supporter program, and I look for that to grow in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, how does uh, a business get in contact with you, or how do they, how do they uh, join? And also, uh, if you could just add, what about just individual volunteers? How do they get in touch with you? Well, an easy way is to email us. I mean, emailing us and, and calling us, either way is absolutely fine. The website, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll make sure I, I slow down and mention it again. It's www.sycamorelandtrust.com. Dot org. All one word, sycamorelandtrust.org. The phone number is 336-5382, 336-5382. And the email is info at sycamorelandtrust.org, info at sycamorelandtrust.org. You know, we, we have um, – we regularly have hikes for our members. Uh, come out and let's teach people about how to do wildflower identification, butterfly identification, bird watching hikes. Um, we – regularly have invasive species eradication, pull, you know, go out and pull garlic mustard for an afternoon. Let's go out and build the trail. Um, let's go out and plant trees. You know, it's a, there's, there's a lot of ways that folks can get involved. Um, you know, folks can, of course, give your 30 bucks and be a member. We're a membership-based organization. We, we are a charity. We can't do anything if the people of southern Indiana aren't willing to support us. Over the past few years, we've grown like gangbusters because it seems to me the people of Indiana are, are – 
itching for an organization like the Sycamore Land Trust to do this kind of work. So the support has been wonderful. But, you know, if folks want to do their part, for 30 bucks you can be a member, and that's an incredible thing. But that's not the only way. I mean, we don't view that as the only way that folks can support us, certainly. Coming out and planting trees is uh, pretty it's, – it's remarkably it's, – it's remarkable how rewarding that can be. I got to release uh, with a volunteer from Wild Care here in town, a wildlife rehab organization here in town. Um, earlier this year, I helped – I was able to help release a cedar waxwing into a flock of cedar waxwings. It seems like a silly, small little gesture. Boy, I got to tell you, that was, that was pretty – it was like I said, it was remarkable how rewarding something that small can be. All right. We just have about a minute and a half to go, Will. Okay. I live in Denny Smith II subdivision off Highway 45. There's a Sycamore Land Trust property that's adjacent. Are there maps available or a way to see where the boundaries of that property and, by extension, other properties in your inventory are? <sighs> We do have a number of maps available on the website, sycamorelandtrust.org. I don't know off the top of my head. I, you know, as a volunteer group that's uh, kind of coming into its own, it's amazing how difficult it is to keep up on technology and to sort of really put a good product forward um, on the Internet. But uh, that's been a lesson for us. Um, but I think that there is a, a, a map on the website, and folks can certainly call us. And uh, more often than not, we would have a volunteer go out and, and walk somebody around. I mean, it's not, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that um, we could go for a walk in the woods together. All right. In the last uh, 45 seconds or so, big things for 2007? Yeah, I think big things for 2007. One of the things that happened, uh, one of the things that's likely to happen this year is uh, move into our permanent headquarters. Um, we lost a good friend this past year in Linton Keith Caldwell. Uh, he was actually the author of the National Environmental Policy Act. Um, he lived in Bloomington, was a retired SPIA professor. Um, he died this past year. He, a few years ago, he and his wife uh, donated their estate home on Bloomington's east side to the Sycamore Land Trust for use as a permanent headquarters. With his passing, the families said that they'd like us to move in now. And so moving into a permanent headquarters uh, is going to be a big step for us. I remember uh, we worked, like I said, we worked on people's kitchen tables for years and years. And to move into uh, a nice home with 12 acres uh, that we can really have a showcase is going to be uh, a neat step. I remember um, when Harmony got their school building, that was a really uh, big step forward for them. People viewed them differently. I think the same thing will happen for, for the land trust. We hope to have you back in later in the year. Thank you or very early much. next year. Well, thank you very, you very much. It's wonderful. All right. We uh, wanted, wanted to thank uh, Christian Freitag for being here with us today and also for Will Murphy, producer Lauren Algy, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.